Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Maricatani with Matt Chat. Today, I am joined by the co-founder and director of development of the Titan Mercury Wrestling Club, Mr. Wayne Boyd. Wayne, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, it's a pleasure, David. Nice to hear your voice. You too, sir. How is uh, how is life in, in sunny California? Well, it's hot. It's already a hundred degrees. <laughs> I'm forced to go play about 18 holes of golf. It's great to be on your show and your podcast as I'm going to the golf course. So, uh, in advance, hit them straight. So, uh, doing a little research, um, I look, I want people to really understand a little bit about your background. So I looked up that you're a three-time Middle Atlantic Conference champion, Temple's first EIWA champion, and an NCAA Division I champion. So tell me, how did you get started in the sport of wrestling? Well, I can tell you, based on what you just said, I had a great career at Temple. Before I get into how I got started in wrestling, it was funny that I ended up at Temple. It was kind of a moderate school for wrestling. They were trying to build a program. I was scheduled to go to Oklahoma State and wrestle under Myron Roderick, one of the greatest college coaches that ever lived, really one of the greatest men that ever contributed to the sport of wrestling. We lost uh, Myron not too long ago, a year or so ago, to an injury he had on a racquetball or a, a you know, handball court. He got hit in the eye and he got all his blood thinners and it caused a stroke and yeah, we miss him greatly. He was a great ambassador for the sport, a leader, an entrepreneur, a great coach, great wrestler, Olympic team, 56. Uh, but I started my career, Tony, I used the word 56. I started my career in 1956. I was about nine years old, and it really started with watching my brothers wrestle. I had an older brother that was four years older, and I had a middle brother that was two years older. And we all played baseball, we all played football, but I was small. And I migrated to wrestling because of my size. You know, my freshman year in high school or my eighth grade year that I walked from the junior high school over to the high school to try and make the junior varsity team. Back in the 60s, if you were a senior in high school and you got beat out for varsity, you were still allowed to wrestle junior varsity. So when I got to the high school as an eighth grader, I was wrestling a lot of older guys, 16, 17, 18-year-old guys. And I found a way to beat those guys. And a lot of that I contributed to my brothers who were really good athletes. Uh, we had never had a state championship in the Boyd family. My brother, my oldest brother, was second twice. Finally, my middle brother won it as a junior, which was uh, – my eighth grade year, and I said, you know, being a state champion was the ultimate goal as a high school student, and I focused on that goal. I lost massive amounts of weight. My sophomore year, after finishing third as a freshman, my sophomore year, I cut from 120, and I was skinny at 120, to 95 pounds. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The guy that yeah, the guy beating me my freshman year went up to 103, and the senior who won the state title graduated. So I said, well, I'm number three. If I can get back down to 95, I'll be number one. Yeah. Well, lo and behold, a guy from that same school, that I think, went up to 103. They brought in a 95-pounder, and the first time I wrestled him in a dual meet in high school, he pinned me. I was only pinned like once or twice in my career. 
But yeah. that happened my sophomore year, and I was in shock because I didn't expect it. Sure. Then he beat me on a referee's decision in the Eastern District, and I trained in the semifinals of the state meet, and my dad came over to me, who never wrestled, by the way. Parents are so incredible in the sport of wrestling. They mean so much to their child, and they get so engaged. They, they come to love the sport. Right. So my dad walked over to me, never wrestled in his life, and he said, the kid's name was Shackleford. I'll never forget it. And my dad's looking at me, and I'm going out in the semifinals. I'm wrestling a guy I've lost to twice. And my dad looks at me, and he says, if you take him down in the first period, you'll beat him. And I don't know where he got that from, but I focused <laughs> on that takedown. Yeah. And I got that takedown. And I went on to beat him 5-2. to two. And then that night, I went into overtime against a kid from Wakefield. I can even remember his name. Last name was Pennick. And I defeated him to win uh, not only the Boyd family's second state championship, but my first state championship. And it led to two more. So I finished my high school career with a third, first, first, first. But I was hooked on wrestling as a young kid because anybody can do it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be six feet tall, six foot seven. You don't have to weigh 280 pounds. You can be who you are and compete because there's those wonderful weight classes that make it possible for everybody, ranging from anywhere from 95 to 103 all the way up to 285 pounds. Right. And back in the day, it was unlimited. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, my God. Brings mine, Chris Taylor, Iowa State, 480 pounds, and he could move. Yeah. Yeah. My Two-time dad. national champ. My dad's an Iowa State alum, and he has very fine memories of Chris Taylor and Dan Gable and Jason Smith and all those guys. So, yeah, I, uh, I, grew, uh, I grew up hearing about those stories. So, yeah, for sure. So Ben Peterson, Ben Peterson, another Iowa State great. Uh, the, the great Nate Carr. I mean, Iowa State under Harold Nichols drove some of the best wrestlers the nation has ever known out of that program. And Harold Nichols himself was a wonderful, incredible coach. Yeah, Harold Nichols was actually my godfather. So uh, I remember going up there as a freshman, and he jumped on me, you know, just by surprise. And I looked up, and it was him. And I thought, oh, I'll go kind of easy on him because he was older. And that was a d- bad decision on my part. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, he, he was a, he's a to tough, put it in old terms, he was a tough son bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he was a tough man for sure. So, yes, sir. so I got a chance to talk to you a little bit of world team trials. And what really struck me is just your enthusiasm for the sport. And it's, it's interesting listening to you tell that the story you just told or stories you just told, like how memorable, you know, guys names are specific conversations with your father. Um, and I know, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, people are, are passionate about things they were successful at. But besides your success and the fact that multiple people, you know, different sizes, those kind of things, what is it specifically about wrestling that really just, you know, gets you so excited just to get out of bed in the morning and, and, do, and try to make our sport a better, a better thing? I, I think it's the character it takes to be a wrestler, just to walk in a room. Forget about winning national titles, world titles, Olympic titles. That's so beyond the average guy that goes out for wrestling. 
But if you look at the result of any guy, even a guy that didn't have a winning season, he learned so much about character, commitment, perseverance, determination. These are the characteristics in life that will give you a happy marriage, a good job, bring you success. Wrestling is a character builder, and every young man, young boy, should at some time wrestle. Because the hand-to-hand confidence, the ability to step out and shake a guy's hand when your knees are shaking and say, I got to go here. And when that whistle blows, the amazing thing is we let go of that fear, we let go of that doubt, we let go of that idea, I might lose, and we just wrestle. And when you're wrestling, you're not thinking about anything. You're just emotion. It's one of the most beautiful productive sports on the planet and it drives me crazy that we're not more popular with the everyday person i mean jordan burroughs kyle snyder walk down the street people have no idea who they are opposed to lebron james and these guys that play in professional sports everybody knows so it's again we're not getting the attention we deserve and one of my missions is to bring more attention to the sport of wrestling. There's no better way to do that than do great things. And when I say great things, that's got to be your goal, to be the best at what you're doing. And I don't care. In my case, sometimes it's just taking the trash out. I take the trash out better than anybody else on the planet. You're the number one trash guy. Is that right? (laughs) I tell you, wrestling taught me to focus. And I have great desires and great ambition, and I'm motivated every day to be the best I can be. And that all came from wrestling. Without wrestling, I would not be the man I am today. It's, yeah, I think there's so many of us that feel that way, but you're able to say it so eloquently. It's 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 really a pleasure. Well, I live it. Yeah. I live it, David. I absolutely live it. And I just don't live it when I strap my shoes on. I live it. When I make a phone call, I live it when I breathe. I breathe wrestling because it's so healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's your passion is, is admirable. It's uh and it's, it's palpable. You can hear it in your voice and you can tell it's not an act. And you know, the people that know you, that's one of the first things they said to me. They're like, you know, that guy's the real deal. Holy field, you know? So um, it's, it's super exciting, you know, just, you know, listening to you, you know, gets me fired up more about the sport and doing these podcasts and that kind of thing that, you know, in my own way to try to make the sport better. So um, we we spoke and you told me a story about how like 40 years ago you had an idea that sort of later evolved into something that became Titan Mercury. So tell me a little bit about about your first evolution of how you saw all this eventually shaking out. All right, and thank you very much for those kind words. Uh, It always brings tears to my heart when I get recognized for my beliefs and my commitments and my refusal to lose. And it, it, uh, you know, it's a warm, fuzzy feeling. So thank you very much. Yes, sir. You know, I I graduated with a degree in communications, radio, television, film. I minored in speech, journalism, and theater. 
And the only thing I ever wanted to be in my life was a star. That started <laughs> way back in the late 40s. I just, I just didn't know what kind of star I wanted to be. It was kind of like, well, a cowboy star on TV, because I watched a lot of cowboys growing up, and I loved cowboys. And I've got a story I'll tell you a little later on in the interview that could happen here in the next year that's going to be incredible. It's like dreams. It's like visions coming true. And when I got out of college, I wanted to be on ABC Wild World of Sports. So I called Rune Artledge at his office in New York. I got him on the phone based on the fact that I'd been interviewed by Keith Jackson of Wide World of Sports. And I said in the interview, and if you ever pull that up and watch it in 1969, I literally basically took the microphone with some sort of hand fighting out of Keith Jackson's hand, and I said, you know, I'm a radio TV major, and I like this too. And he was talking about me winning the national title. I want to talk about, I need a job, man. I got a wife and two kids. And so, <laughs> you were Michael Strahan was, before Michael Strahan crossing over. <laughs> they, they, yeah, it was, it, was, it was wild and crazy, and they ran that, of course, when they showed the 1969 NCAA championships, and they specifically ran that interview. So I I just strive to be the best I can be all the time. But I didn't want to do what other people wanted me to do, primarily get a job. <laughs> okay. All right. And so once I interviewed and found out, I even got offered a job at the local TV station. I wanted to be the head sports announcer, and they wanted me to be a floor director. Well, I was too young and too cocky to realize if you start as floor director, you first thing you know, you are the sports announcer. But I saw it, I just saw it as a negative. And then I, when they offered me $75 a week in 1971, I thought, good Lord, I've got a wife. I've got two children. I've been married since I was a senior in high school. I went all through college with my wife and kids. And it was time to make some money, and I didn't think $75 a week was going to get it done. Probably not. Even in, night, yeah. in the early 70s. <laughs> so I said, what, other than my education, what do I really do well? Bingo, wrestling. And I had noticed over the years that I could pull together 30 or 40 kids. Almost any time I announced I'd be in a room, and they'd all bring $10. I was making three, four hundred dollars a day teaching class twice a week, which is a lot more than seventy-five a week, right? Uh, yeah, I'm a math major. That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> so it, there you go. So it, it led me to want to open my own business. So my first business I opened in 1972 was the East Coast Wrestling and Health Club. Okay. And I had worked with Chuck Norris and his brother, Aaron Norris, and I taught them how to get guys to the ground, and they had these wonderful Chuck Norris karate studios. And I thought, well, I can do that in wrestling. I'll have nationwide wrestling clubs all over America. I'll have some exotic helicopter that lands on the roof of these things <laughs> with a glass elevator that goes down in the middle of the gym. And, hey, Wayne Boyd's here. Yeah. Well, needless to say, I wasn't able to accomplish that vision, uh, although I had a lot of success. I was building state champs, national championship team in our second year. 
won the national AAU team title in Ohio. And I was very proud of what I was doing. But economically, I didn't have the experience or the stick to My wrestling concept of you can do anything really got choked out by economic values. And I didn't, I wasn't prepared for that in the least. I had no idea. I had never failed at anything. And I lost that club and it turned me, it turned me into a terrible downspin where I went catatonic. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I didn't speak. Ended up at a mental institution. If you ever see the movie One More Shot, based loosely on my life story starring John Smith, Dan Hodge, and myself. I tell that story in the movie. I live that story in the movie. And it was a heartbreaking, heartbreaking experience. And it took its toll on me. But I never gave up. And I stayed involved in wrestling. Lo and behold, if you want to skip ahead 40 years, I was helping a young man in a wrestling room develop his talent. And it just so happened it was Andrew F. Barr's son who was also named Andrew F. Barth. And I turned Andy's career around. He went from being like 7 and 17 to 25 and 27 and 2 with 25 pins. And Andy, Andy Barth, who's my partner and co-founder of Titan Mercury, just was so excited and happy to see that progress in his son that he said to me one day, he said, hey, wait. What do you think it would take to start our own wrestling club? And I'm thinking kids club, right? Right. And I said, well, gee, all you have to do is ask. And he said, I think I just did. And I said, oh, that's right. And I said, let's go. (laughs) First rule of sales is when they say yes is be quiet. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. I missed it right over the head. And then he he explained, he was talking about a club like New York AC. And I said, holy mackerel, big time. And I said, well, what's our budget? He said, don't worry about budget. Just do what you got to do. So I went to work. And the first thing I came up with was, let's let's have New York AC West. Because Andy Barr's a big proponent of New York AC, been a member since he was like 17 years old. And uh, we contacted New York AC, and what I really wanted was that winged foot. I thought that winged foot, God of speed, was just terrific. David, I'm in my car. Is the wind bothering you at all? Can you hear me okay? We're good, sir. I'm just soaking up the story, so please keep going. You're talking about the winged foot. Yeah, so uh, they wouldn't give us that winged foot, and they didn't want to be affiliated with us on the West Coast, old established club, and I understood that. But I went to my computer, and I started looking at the God of Speed, Mercury, and I found a head with wings on it. And I went back to Andy, and I said, okay, we can't get the winged foot. We'll take the winged head. And if you look at the logo, you'll see the winged head. And at the end of the day, I decided I'd rather be the head than the foot. I've got your logo pulled up here now. What's crazy is just, you know, I think so many of us have random stories of how, you know, you meet somebody and how it you you have no idea when you say hi, nice to meet you. It's going to, you know, change your life. And so, 
you know, your, your meeting of Andy Jr., uh, obviously has changed not only your life, but Andy Sr.'s life, Andy Jr.'s life. So many people that, you know, are wrestling now, and I, and I want to get into that shortly because, uh, I want to get as much in before you got to go, you know, go off the first tee here. But it's just crazy that, you know, just a random meeting like that led to all of this. So, uh, Let's talk a little bit about Titan Mercury. Uh, well, let me back up. What did, what, I got a chance to interview Art Martori and you and I spoke about that. And to me, he's just one of the giants in the sport and he has tremendous respect for yourself and for Andy Barth. I've never met Andy and I don't know a lot of people, you know, that are probably listening to the podcast that have. For those of us that haven't, tell us, tell the people about Andy Barth. Andy's one of the kindest, smartest human beings on earth. He not only graduated from Columbia, Kula Samalata, and I'm not a genius. I, don't, I wouldn't even know how to spell that. I hardly can pronounce it. <laughs> but I believe it's Latin for smart. Columbia. <laughs> yeah, I believe Columbia is regarded as one of the most intellectual institutions in our country. In the world, and yeah. He was not only, yeah. Yeah. He, he was not only first in his class his freshman year and sophomore year and junior year and senior year. He led his class all four years, which gave him that great recognition of intelligence. And he managed to be the captain of his 1985 wrestling team as well. And as brilliant as Andy is, wrestling touched him the same way it touched I'm losing. Mankind. You said wrestling touched him the same way, and the phone cut out for a second, sir. Wrestling touched Andy Barth the exact same way it touched me. We both realized this is a builder of men, which contributes to men. This sport needs to be shared with more people, and we need to figure out how to make this sport attractive so our guys can get paid a little bit. You got married men with children. Jordan Burroughs himself right. wrestling, and he's probably one of the highest paid guys in the country, but it's still so small compared to other professional athletes. Sure. Yeah. And there's other guys that don't get paid half of what Burroughs get, and then there's other great guys that hardly get paid anything. They just get room and board in their flights when they want to go to a tournament. Right. So we wanted to change all that. If Andy has the resources to do that, but it's his generosity that really overflows into the category of success. Because if you look at the other clubs, even Art Martori, who was the who was the who was the original great guy, probably won twenty plus national titles with Sunkiss. And he spent a lot of money, but I would guess his budget never exceeded 500000 a year. Now, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think so. Andy and I spent well over a million five last year on Titan Mercury Wrestling Club and its athletes and people that are committed to us being number one. And we didn't buy the championship. We earned it. 
lot of people say, oh, well, you got all the money. You get all the best guys. We get the best guys because we treat the best guys like they're the best guys. And Andy supports that. It's it's funny because we had a number of, you know, number one or number two recruiting classes in the country, and we literally did it with the least amount of money. And what people don't understand is it, it's not about the money. It's about building the right relationships and, you know, people feeling like you're literally invested in them. So I, I laugh sort of knowingly. I understand what you're saying there, sir, and I completely agree with you. Yeah. So, but it's time we spend more money on wrestling. Wrestling's worth it. It has so much value. Yes, sir. You 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 can't build something if if you're going to count pennies. It's very hard. Right. So we've done in five years, what probably took most clubs a lot longer to do. We're not only the number one club in America, we stand tall as the number one club in the world, having defeated Iran in the Ukraine last year in front of their fans by the closest of margin to become the World Clubs Cup champion. I, I saw those results, and it actually kind of leads me. You're the best interview ever, Wayne. You just lead me right into my next question. So it's almost like I gave you the script. So um, yeah, I got a chance to talk to uh, Johnny Rugarello before the World Team Trial Finals, and you guys literally had a guy in the finals at all of the weight classes. Uh, and I think you ended up, I mean, I know you had Green, Steber, Gwizdowski, Snyder, Gilman, and Cox make the team there. And then Mallory Velti, uh, Tamira Mensa, Victoria Francis, you know, that was earlier in, in April in Las Vegas. So tell me a little bit about how Titan Mercury works what is the partnership between Titan Mercury and the RTCs? You know, so I'll just use a simple example. Like how do Titan Mercury and the Ohio RTC work together to help Logan Steber and Kyle Snyder as an example? Okay. Let me, let me, uh, let me talk on that, but I, I've got to go back to that world team trials. You know, we actually had, uh, I'm going to, I could be a number off. We had either nine or ten guys in the final. So we had somebody in every weight class. Right. And, and in one or two of the yeah. weight classes, we, we were wrestling each other. Right. That's correct. So yeah. we were a shoe-in. We were a shoe-in for at least two. And I knew there was four others we could win. But I wanted all eight. Of course. And we had Dake. <laughs> we had Dake. And we had Molinero, which I thought were great draws. I thought it was time for Dake to beat Burroughs. I'm a big Jordan Burroughs fan. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him that he's making this. You can't call it a comeback. The guy's never been out of the sport, but he didn't have a good Olympics. We all know that. Correct. And that had, that had to send shock through his body. And in reference to Snyder and Steber, Burroughs had been my guy. I would have focused immediately on on his vision, where he is. I, I think he wasn't properly touched maybe before he stepped on the mat at the Olympic Games. Uh, at Titan Mercury, we get in the heads of these guys in a way that they don't even know we're there. And it's so positive. Royce 
Couch is one of the best corner guys I've ever seen. He learned from the greatest, Dan Gable. And we literally make these guys feel so good about themselves that they get this sense of invincibility. And that's what you got to have when you walk out there against a Russian or an Iranian. And you got to travel and wrestle those guys during the year. And we're able to do that because we spend those extra dollars. We're not afraid. Andy Barth believes in doing more. In fact, his his theme is stay hungry for more. And I said, Andy, you're going to be sorry you ever said that to me. <laughs> and he said, I hope so. <laughs> so now we're getting to that point. I think I got an email from this morning. He said, wow, we went a little over budget this year. <laughs> well, because we're growing and we're doing more for the sport than anyone else. And I hate to say it like that, but I feel like the whole sport needs to pick it up. We need to get, gather up the 10 million people that are out there that have been touched by wrestling and get them to respond every time we do something. You know what it'd be like if 10 million people, every time wrestling happened on TV or every time we had a need, 10 million people put up $1 each, we're $10 million up. And we need to do more and more of that. So back to how do we work with a Steber and a Snyder? Look, these guys have got so much talent wrestling talent all you got to do is point them in the right direction they're racehorses they're incredible i mean this this kyle snyder is a phenom logan steber nobody works any harder but what we do is we let them know that there's nothing we won't support them in as long as it's healthy and productive for them and then we take them beyond wrestling what do you want to do with your life when you're done winning two or three Olympic titles, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? You have real conversations with these guys, and we engage with them. And I think that's what stimulates them to want to be better. And it's naturally instinctive for a guy like Steber or Snyder. But we're able to get in there and, and show them other opportunities. They look at Andy Barth, who works for one of the most successful companies in the world, Global Capital, Guardian Cal, America Funds. And he actually built his own company within the company that has an astronomical responsibility. They have over a million clients worldwide. So we transfer that to these guys, and we get them out of wrestling every once in a while. If Royce and I take them on a trip, you know, we're partying for the first two days. I don't mean getting drunk partying. I mean, we're just having a great time. Right. <laughs> they don't even know they're going to the Ukraine to be slaughtered. They just think they're going on a picnic. And by the time they stick on the mat, we've got them so ready mentally and physically that all of a sudden we're winning. We're beating everyone. I expect to win the world championship as a team this year. And if we don't do it, something broke down between the world team trials and that world championship third week of August. But I'm going to try to stay as close to these guys as I can, do what I can to keep the breakdown from happening. Because we haven't won the World Cup in the last I don't know how long. It's just ridiculous that our country isn't the leading wrestling country in the world. Little teeny Iran puts out the toughest guys, and we've got a pool that is 30 times deeper than theirs. And we got great talent. But doesn't that really come down to the fact that 
you know, in Iran or Iran that wrestling is, you know, if not the national sport, one of it, one of the national sports. And here it's football, basketball, baseball. You know what I mean? That the, the best athletes are not always coming out for wrestling where more of the best athletes are coming out for wrestling in those other countries. You're absolutely right. So if we add value to our sport, meaning what we're about to do, Andy and I with Mike Novogratz and Sanders Schultz and Matt Novogratz is create PROWL, P-R-O-W-L, Pro Wrestling League, where somebody can grow to make a million dollars a year for wrestling. Won't start at a million. It's got to be successful. But we're going to put the effort and the brains into this league which is launching as early as February 2018. And I believe for the first time, professional wrestling on an Olympic level is going to be successful. Well, that would be great because a lot of us want to see that. But, you know, obviously there's been attempts at that. So, again, you know, my next question to you is going to be, what is your vision to grow the sport? It sounds like Prowl is right at the top of that list. So, I know not all the details are out. I don't know what you're allowed to talk about, but whatever you are, please, you know, give myself and the listeners as much information as you can about Prowl. I'd love to. I'd love to very much. One of the great things about the, because you asked me about the regional training centers, is we get more involved there than just the wrestling. Like Ohio State was interested in building, you know, a better facility. And Andy took an interest in that because one of his best friends went to Ohio State and died, unfortunately, of cancer. And so Andy wants to see a better wrestling facility in this man's name. Uh, Andy's very quiet, very respected person that you, you just, he's not out there on the front lines. Uh, he gives me that responsibility. And so we do a lot for, Oklahoma State, University of Iowa, Illinois, Cornell, uh, Ohio State, uh, Nebraska. We're, we get involved with the college guys because those are the guys that they are the future. So now I can say to them, hey, guys, you don't have to be a world champion to wrestle in a pro league. So it opens up a lot to the guys that will never win a world title, but they got national titles under their belt. Uh, they come back and make a living. Uh, we're going to establish originally great events, kind of like Iowa versus the world we did a few years ago. Uh, we're eventually going to get to state teams or city teams. We have a team in L.A., a team in New York, a team in Pittsburgh, a team in Columbus. And, and we're going to create a real uh, pro league. So I got Washington. I got Washington D.C. calling on the other line. It's probably Trump. Just let me. Uh, let him know. I'm doing a podcast. Don't cut don't over. Don't cut over. Back. I don't have much more time with you. So, so tell me about how proud. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Trump can wait. He's busy over in. It's he's keeping, over in Paris. He's keeping America great again. So, um, let's, let's get. I want him to get busy making wrestling greater. Greater, greater again. Yeah. So, Greater. so, so the way the prowl is going to work is there's going to be eight teams and they're going to be city based and there's going to be dual meets. Is that correct? That that will probably come after we do some feature big events. 
Like the World Team Trial should have been on a big stage. It should have been done at Madison Square Garden. It should have had pay-per-view attached to it. That was some of the greatest wrestling, and you knew going in it was going to be great. It was unbelievable. But USA Wrestling, USA Wrestling not focused on growing the sport other than keeping the sport alive. We've got to go to a new level, and it means marketing, advertising, buying ads, being on TV, running commercials. you got to popularize this sport, and we've never had anybody that could do it. Prior to Mike Novogratz, uh, James Dynan, Art Bartori, uh, he didn't have that same vision. And Andy Barr, these guys are smart businessmen, and I've got a vision and the energy to push this thing through the, the loopholes. So I think it's going to be extremely exciting. I think the college wrestling is great. High school wrestling is great. We've still got work to do on both those levels. But if we could just give these guys an outlet beyond, it'll still be important, extremely important to be an Olympic champion, extremely important to be a world champion. That would give you a better contract going in. Uh, you're already well-known. But we're going to build the sport and the success of the sport through advertising, marketing, and continuing to build the best athlete in the world. There's no better athlete than a wrestler. I'll put I'll put a wrestler against anybody. This guy Judge from the New York Yankees, Snyder would take him down and pin him in less than 30 seconds. He wouldn't have a chance. <laughs> I don't think anybody's questioning that. But at the same time, I think I, I think see. I could I think I could take out Hulk Hogan and we'll have uh, we'll have uh, Steeber wrestle LeBron James. You know, anything to get some attention. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, you know, you didn't mention you didn't mention that in 1981, I wrestled Victor the Wrestling Bear, who was 680 pounds, eight feet tall. He had wrestled 14,999 men in his career, including some of the biggest, strongest men in the planet. And he had never lost a match. And on that early afternoon in 1981, I threw Victor 680 pounds to his back and pinned him. And he died with a record of something like 15,820 and one. He was the only man to ever beat Victor the Wrestling Bear. Those are miracles. His O had to go. You had to take it from him. <laughs> well, the bear was mean. He wouldn't even shake my hand when it was over. He was pissed <laughs> off. I actually did read about that, but I knew if we started with that story, I didn't know how long it was going to take us. So yeah, you need a whole you need a whole new interview because what happened after I beat that bear got really crazy. <laughs> I'm yeah, I, I know you live life big, so. I knew, uh, I knew we wanted to get some of these other things in. So I'm looking at, I want to keep us on time. It looks like I got about five or six minutes left with you. So tell me the future plans for Wayne Boyd and the future plans for Titan Mercury. 
Well, I think I think we're going to buy a piece of property uh, this year and start to envision our world and Olympic class training center, the Titan Mercury World Olympic class training center. That's that's going to be huge. It's going to be the best training center in the world. It'll be in California. Everybody will want to go there to train, and we'll do clinics, and we'll do that part of wrestling. Uh, I think there's a movie in the making, uh, a western, and I talk to the people who will actually be distributing the film and I told them that all the townspeople, it's set in 1860, all the townspeople in this movie have to be world NCAA or Olympic champions. Really? So you'll see a guy like Rulon Gardner as the blacksmith or Bruce Plum Gardner, Dan Gable will be the mayor, you know, Cale Sanderson will be the sheriff. And and I kill so many people in this movie, it's ridiculous. So if you're a bad guy, you're going to die. <laughs> uh, I kill about 106 people in about 102 minutes. Is this... so I'm killing I'm killing one and one margin of a person every minute. Is the script yours? Yeah, I wrote the script. It's called Rattlesnake. It's called Rattlesnake. I'll give you a little okay. Yeah, i give you a little insight. I got the name Rattlesnake early in the movie because the bad guy, played by John Voight, sent his henchmen out as I was coming into town to throw me in a rattlesnake pit. So it was me and six rattlesnakes. If it hadn't been for Geronimo's daughter, I'd probably be dead then. <laughs> this is going to be awesome, right? <laughs> no, this, this is gonna be. This, I mean, I'm the guy today that's a big time movie guy, and he loves what I'm doing. And so, so we're gonna continue to win national titles. We're gonna continue to win uh, world titles on a club level, and we're gonna see our United States start to win world, not just individual medals, team medals. So that's the future. We we've, we've got. Uh, bunch of events planned. We got the Pro League planned. We're going to do movies. We're going to continue to support colleges. Uh, we're going to do everything we're doing and a lot, lot more. And Andy tells me we got to do it within a certain budget, then we'll do it. We, we could do anything we want to do if we have enough belief level to do it. And I've made a living on my belief level. If I believe I can do something and I commit to it, I will get it done. Now, sometimes it takes longer than others, but I've been able to accomplish all my dreams in life because I have a tremendous faith in my God above and my Lord Jesus. And then I believe I can do the impossible. And when you put your faith with your belief and then your work ethic on reality, you can't be stopped. So I'm, I'm excited about life. I try to transfer that thinking to young people every day. Uh, I'm going out here to beat a guy to death in golf because <laughs> I need the lunch. I need the lunch money. <laughs> I don't think you need the lunch money. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing that might be a bit of hyperbole. So uh, Look, I've, I've enjoyed tremendously talking to you, David. I'm so glad we met, and you're doing good things. I, I heard you talk to Grady Penninger the other day. There is a, there's a miracle in itself. The guy's still alive. It's unbelievable. 
you know, I used to see him at the Nationals. He'd say, hey, Wayne, I heard you were dead. <laughs> and I'd yell there, where'd you hear that? He said, I don't know. Story's out there. <laughs> well, one of my favorite. One of my favorite pictures from Lincoln was uh, the night that I ran into you at the hotel, and uh, you let me borrow your glasses for a minute and get a picture together. So that was a lot of fun, and uh, it was it was great meeting you, and it was a real pleasure to get to interview today. I really, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, and I think I speak for all of us when I say thank you to you and Andy for all the time and money you guys are investing so that those of us that love wrestling can continue to see the best guys from America uh, chase their dreams and goals. Well, I appreciate that very much, David. I got to give a heads up to my girl, Melina Wick. She does a great job keeping us organized. We got Debbie Priester who does a great job with travel and the Johnny Ruggiano. Come on, the guy can crank out more artwork and more direction in marketing than anyone I've ever met. I don't think he ever sleeps. That's the thing him and Andy have in common. I don't think those people sleep. They're just hungry for more. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I got a chance to meet Johnny as well when I was there. So uh, the yeah. trip was great for us at Track Wrestling. And um, we're actually streaming the World Championships. And I saw today that you guys are co-sponsoring that with us. So... Uh, the folks will be able to watch, you know, not only, you know, all the wrestling and not not all not only all the Americans, but the specifically the Titan Mercury Wrestling Club athletes. So, Wayne, thank you so much for your time. It's it's really been a, an honor and a privilege. Yeah, and I appreciate you mentioning the World Championships, right? Uh, track streaming those, the cadets, the juniors. We got all three. We're supporting that. Uh, a lot of that money goes to supporting our athletes. So everybody go online, watch the World Championships with track wrestling. It's going to be incredible. It starts, I think, the 24th with the cadets this month. Four weeks from then, we've got the seniors. So big deal. we got, we got to support our sport. So instead of 10,000 people watching it, let's, let's count on 100,000 people watching the World Championships. Let's push that. I appreciate you mentioning that. Very big. Well, my, my people at Track Wrestling appreciate you advertising it for us, so we definitely appreciate it. I hope our paths cross soon, and once again, thank you so much for your time, and please give our best to uh, Andy Barth as well. It was a great pleasure to be with you. Keep up the good work. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Miracatani. That was Wayne Boyd. This was Matt Chat. Speak to you all next week. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.